Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Time now for the nightcap. Who are you talking to right now? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ goes belly up. Disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No, I am the one who knocks. On WGR Sports Radio 550. It's, feel, it's, it's a weird spot for me here. You know, it's six. It's Thursday. I haven't been on air all week, so I've missed a lot of stuff. Just a weird feeling. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell here on WGR. We're doing a six to nine shift tonight here on WGR. Bulldog and Sale, they're off to the WGR celebrity roast of Danny Gare down at the Grapevine Banquets. You know... Part of me was like, yeah, I'd like to be there, but I'm a younger guy. I don't really know Danny Gare that well. Met him a couple of times. Uh, Didn't know him as a player for obvious reasons because I wasn't born yet. And, you know, same thing with, like, Rene Robert. Like, didn't see him play, so it wasn't a huge deal to me. It probably would have been a lot of fun, and I wish I could have gone. But I'm also glad that I'm here because I hadn't had a show all week, and we got Sabres tomorrow, so this is, like, my only opportunity to get on here. So I'm glad to take it. I'm glad for the extra hour. And uh, a lot of stuff on the docket today. I I haven't talked about Brandon Montour and that trade, Um, the Sabres trade deadline in general, the NHL trade deadline in general, where they're at in the playoff race. They're pretty much not in the playoff race. Eichel just kind of carrying the team up and down the ice, it seems, over the last few games. Kyler Murray today at the Combine. Bryce Harper a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, I wanted to start, though, before we get into calls, before we get into what I want to spend a lot of time on. Joe, or, um, Bulldog and Sal spent a lot of time today on, like, you know, the story that got you into sports, like the moment that that happened. And I would say maybe this is unique, maybe it's not, but there wasn't, like, a real moment for me personally in, like, moment where I'm like, okay, yeah, no going back. I'm a sports fan. Like, it just always felt like I was just going to be one no matter what. Um, But really where it took off was that 2006 Sabre season. And you can't really pick a moment from that season. There's a bunch of them. The Campbell hit. The the Dumont overtime goal against Ottawa. The loudest that crowd has been in my lifetime, maybe. Even even though they lost series, Briere in Game Six at home, scoring an OT to force a Game Seven. There were so many moments that really captured me in as a hockey fan, and maybe that's why hockey is my favorite sport. Because that season, that that Saber team 
really, you know, it captured my my spirit and heart as a saber or as a as a sports fan. And you know, the Bills, yeah, they really, they just got there two years ago. Look, my moment for the Bills to this point in my life might be Andy Dalton throwing a pass to Tyler Boyd. It's 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 pathetic, but that's just where it's at. Um, the best story I'd have that even relates. 2006. I'm 11. Like fall of 2006. This is the this is the slug first slug year, as I'll put it. Presidents Trophy season. The Bills are playing the Vikings. My dad gets uh, tickets through work to the Jim Kelly Club. Bills Vikings. It's like Brad Johnson versus maybe J.P. Lossman. I don't even remember who the quarterbacks were. And we're walking around the Jim Kelly Club, and there's Lindy Ruff. And Max Finneganoff, my favorite player growing up. Like, that was the guy I was looking for every time I was watching as a kid. Super fast, super electric, dynamic, just super fun to watch. And I walk up to Lindy Ruff. This is an 11-year-old. And... Shake his hand. He asks me like if I'm enjoying the game, something like that. And I, I mention how you need to be playing Max Finnegan off more. I just threw that out there. Sabres head coach. I wasn't afraid. Just you need to be playing Max Finnegan off more. And he said something. I don't really remember what he said, but it, it was along the lines of uh, maybe I'll take that into consideration. And no, no memory of what happened in that Bills game. But what I do remember is the next Sabres game. This is with, this is right at the beginning of the season. So it's during that win streak to start the year. The next game, it was a game in Detroit. I think they won it. No, they wasn't. They must have won it because the streak, the streak kept going. Shootout, maybe. In that game, I'm like, all right, he's gonna, he's gonna listen to me. He's gonna be playing Max Finnegan for like 25 minutes tonight. Top line, power, number one power play. He's gonna score a hat trick. All right, let's go. And he didn't really play in the game because, and I went back and looked, I, I had a memory of him taking two early penalties. He did. He took two penalties within the first five minutes of the game, two minors. And throughout the game, he took four minor penalties. Now, I couldn't really find a record book for minor penalties. I just found penalty minutes. It's got, if it's not a record, it's got to be close. Four minor penalties in one game. So way to come out and show up for, for me, 11-year-old fan, your biggest fan, like, all right, I got the coach to play you more, and he took a penalty like five minutes in, and then right as he came out of the box, took another one. So that didn't go well. Um, that's the closest thing I got to, like, story, like, growing up where you have an interaction with, like, the team that you're, you're like, you're falling in love with, and it was the 2006 Sabres. That's the closest I got for that. Cal, you got anything along those lines? I know you're a Philly guy. I've been thinking about what, I was going to say during your story of a Finneganoff, and I don't know. I can't recall watching a lot of sports or really, like, absorbing it as a kid until maybe I was around that age, I think 2006. You know, I took a break from playing football in the backyard, and it was <laughs> Ryan Howard's uh, chase for 50 in 2006. Ryan Howard. Ending up with 58 homers, eventual MVP. Um, I think one of the most – Vivid moments I have of that is watching a game in September against the Braves in Citizens Bank Park, and Ryan Howard pops three homers. He needed to get, I believe he had 49 coming into the day and ended with 52. Hit number 50 early in the game, popped two more. Scott Graham, who now works for Westwood One, used to be in Philadelphia, listening to him on TV with Harry Callis. That was a fun moment. And then from there it budded. You know, I started branching out, watching the Flyers more, the Eagles more, XYZ. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the first 10 or 11 years, I don't think I 
processed a lot of sports. It was it was about that same kind of time in my life because you and I are the same age. Oh six, oh seven was like all right. Yeah. Now I can understand things. I'm getting into it, watching games on a daily basis, and the rest is history. Nice. Um, well, I want to get into some Phillies talk later because you're an interesting spot here. I, th- correct me if I'm wrong. You're a Nationals fan, but like every other sports team you like is from Philadelphia. Yes. And the Nationals star player went to the Phillies today. Correct. All right. So we will get into that later. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about uh, this Bryce Harper contract. 13 years. That was the other thing they talked about. Sal tweeted it. Like, how old are you going to be when this Bryce Harper contract's over? I think for us it might be like it's a, a bigger difference in what your life is now to then than like everybody else. Like it just got to be twenty three to thirty six. I mean, whose life, whose life at twenty three is even close at thirty six? So we'll get into that later. Bryce Harper. Uh, I wanted to start today though on Kyler Murray and this kind of war that's going on still in the NFL. The New age line of thinking where you're valuing accuracy and reads and decision-making and athletic ability, and you're valuing that over size and grit and heart. And Kyler Murray is kind of a polarizing player in that right now. So Combine this week, we had our own Sal Capaccio down there, and Kyler Murray... Does his measurements today. And everybody is so worked up over it. Like, it was a big storyline. I know it's the combine. There's not a lot of storylines, and that's definitely one of them. Like, the potential number one pick in the draft, or if not that, the number one quarterback in the draft. The biggest knock on him is what his height is. So people were going to be watching for that. He comes in at just over 5'10". Just over 5'10". And really... I would want my team, regardless of who it is, if it was the Bills, whoever my team was, I'd want my team to draft that quarterback. Because that would mean that they're thinking forward, they're thinking progressive, that they're thinking, hey, this guy, with his production last season in the right offense, can be a superstar. Heisman winner. We had a stretch there, like over a decade ago, where Heisman winners was not like a lock to be a really good NFL quarterback. You had Troy Smith, who I think was a was a sixth-round pick. You had Tebow, who was a first-round pick, but probably should have been a sixth-round pick, and he was bad. And since then, you've got a bunch of guys winning the Heisman that are at least pretty good quarterbacks. Mayfield looks dynamite in Cleveland. Lamar Jackson looks pretty good so far, and maybe there's a higher ceiling there in Baltimore. They're turning the keys over to him as their franchise quarterback. Mariota, pretty good, at least. Jameis Winston, pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's at least decent. And then once you go further back, that's when you start to hit your your hiccups. Your Manzels, your RG3s, your Bradfords, Tebows, Troy Smiths, Leinerts. But, like, you know, the last... One, two, three, four quarterbacks that were Heisman winners. They're at least decent. They're at least pretty good. And I'd want my team to take a shot at Murray. I put a poll out on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR, and it's got to be a hypothetical to try to see like what, what would Bills fans want right now in a make-believe world where they had not drafted Josh Allen. For whatever reason, 
Bean didn't want to trade a bunch of assets to trade up. So they sat at 20. Where, I don't even remember where they started at. Was it 24, 22? I think it was 22. They were 22 and 24 because of the Chiefs. Just say Bean didn't really like Lamar Jackson enough to pick him with one of those picks, and he didn't want to spend assets to trade up. So they sat at 22. They sat at 24. Maybe they got Tremaine Edmonds, and they just picked another guy. And they're still looking for a quarterback. If they were sitting here today with the ninth overall pick and no future franchise quarterback, would Bills fans be clamoring for them to draft Kyler Murray? Because I get the impression that he would scare a lot of people off just based on his height. And that's it. Because really, there is not anything else to, to go on for him not being great. He's efficient. He's accurate. I got, I'm hearing Joel Klatt, who's like one of the, the lead uh, college football analyst for Fox, thinks that next to Michael Vick, he's the best running quarterback to ever enter the draft. I had to go back and watch some of his highlights to kind of confirm that because I didn't really remember a lot of highlights of him running. He, he is. He's a dynamite runner. Like, shifty, fast. He reminded me of Tyreek Hill, just maybe, like, stylistically. I wouldn't say he's as fast as Tyreek Hill. Maybe we'll see. But insanely good runner. The ball just pops off his arm. His, he's got a big arm, too. Even though he's small, he can chuck it downfield. And you would think that a lot of NFL teams, and we'll never get to know this about the Bills, and maybe it's a good thing we'll never get to know this, because Allen, after year one, looks really good, and he could be the future for 10 years. We might not have to have this conversation for a decade. I want my team to be the team that learns from past mistakes and recognizes when the game is changing and looks at an example like Russell Wilson, who is barely taller than Kyler Murray. Maybe by like less than an inch is he taller. And that was a third-round pick. That was a guy who threw 73% completion in college. That was a guy who threw 33 touchdowns and four picks in his final season at Wisconsin. His only season at Wisconsin. He was at NC State before that. And why didn't he go first round? He didn't go because of his measurables. And... It looks like not everybody's going to fall into that same trap. Some will. You've still got those old school thinkers. Elway in Denver. Gettleman with the Giants. Coughlin with the Jags. The funny thing is, those are the three teams you would probably put at the top of the list for who needs a franchise quarterback. You ever think maybe there's a reason they still need a franchise quarterback? They still need a franchise quarterback because they can't get with the times. They don't recognize that you've got to draft quarterbacks at the top of the first round, not running backs, even no matter how good Saquon Barkley is. And that maybe height doesn't matter so much. If you just went on measurables, Baker Mayfield would have been the fifth quarterback taken last year. But what did Cleveland do? They decided, we don't care that he's only six feet tall. He's insanely accurate, and he's got a big arm. And he makes good decisions with the football. What else do I need? You just got to see it and you got to place the ball. And nowadays with how much shotgun is being run, you don't really need a quarterback to be sitting under center. That's really when you only have to worry about guys not being able to see over the line of scrimmage. Not seeing the reads downfield. 
You stick Kyler Murray in an offense where he's almost always in shotgun, he's probably going to be really good. The, the, the lead candidate right now is it's probably Arizona. Because you look at the draft order. If he falls past Arizona, you might get a surprise team that jumps in there and takes him. But the way that these teams that need quarterbacks are talking, are they really going to do that? Are the Jags with Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone going to do that at 7? Before that, is Gettleman going to do that at 6? I don't know. I think you might see a surprise team jump in there if it's not Arizona right at 1. I think that makes so much sense. I think that's the most interesting thing to happen. I think that would be the right decision to happen. If I were a Cardinals fan, I'd be wanting them. Even though I like Josh Rosen maybe more than a lot of people, I wanted the Bills to draft him last year. I wouldn't take him over Allen now, but I wanted him last year. I, If I were a Cardinal fan, I would want Kyler Murray. I'd want him drafted at, for, at one, and I would see what I can get for Josh Rosen. He was the 10th overall pick last year. You can get a lot. You're probably not going to get the equivalent of that, but you should be able to get a really significant asset. And if I were a Cardinal fan, I would want them drafting that guy number one, not worrying that he's only 5'10". Josh don't sound that happy either in Arizona. Have you seen the, the reports? Instagram thing today. Yeah. He's, he claims he was hacked, by the way. If you don't know what we're talking about, any picture or reference of Josh Rosen and the Cardinals was deleted from his Instagram today. Now, he tweeted that he was hacked, but, you know, if he did that and his agents got him on the phone and said, why'd you do that? You need to tweet you were hacked. If I were an agent, that's what I would tell him to do. So I, I don't know if I'd buy that it was it was a hack. I think I think he probably did it. Josh Rosen. He's a... Dude, dude's a, like a free-thinking guy. I could see him doing it. I think he, maybe he's fair to do it. His quarter or his GM the other day said that. What does GM say? His GM said that he's the quarterback for now, like right now. Yes. A lot I of confidence. Know, man. Lot of confidence. I, I think I'd be a little peeved if I were him too. But I, you know what? If I'm the Cardinals, I got to get over it. It's business, and I think Kyler Murray's the top quarterback in this draft class. If the Bills were sitting here today with the ninth overall pick, and they were. Not in the spot they're in right now, where we don't know what they their future would be at quarterback. Like right now, we know it's Josh Allen. If we didn't know, if Josh Allen didn't exist, if the Bills didn't draft a quarterback last year, I would really, really want them to draft Kyler Murray, either at nine or find a way to get up to a spot where you can get him, because he's dynamite. I think he's gonna be a star in the league. I think he's gonna be along the lines of a Russell Wilson. He reminds me so much of what Russell Wilson is as a player. I think he's a better athlete. They're not, maybe not bad. They're close. Maybe I want to say they're close because Wilson is an f- insanely good athlete. And I watch that guy, and he's short too, but he finds his throwing lanes. He always puts the ball in the money, and he makes insanely athletic plays at times. If I can get even a poor man's Russell Wilson, I want Kyler Murray. I was interested to see if Bills fans would would have wanted him. The poll I have up, if Allen wasn't here, if they didn't draft him, would you want Kyler Murray at 9? And I think I got the re- the the response that I thought I'd get. 33% yes, 43% no, and then I put hypotheticals are stupid as, a, as an option, and 24% say that. But I expected more people to say they wouldn't than they'd do. That's where I think about Kyler Murray. He is just... I... I I fall in love with the athletes. 
and I fall in love with the efficiency. And he's both of those things. I should I just hope that I got a team that thinks forward enough that if they ever needed to be put in a situation like that to make a decision like that, that they would go ahead and do it. But like I said, I don't think they're going to have to. They met with a bunch of uh, free agents, by the way, today. Brandon Bean spoke earlier. If you missed that, you can catch that on demand at WGR550.com. Our man, Sal, was in Indy and then flew back for the roast. So he's here now, but he was in Indy earlier today. Like I said, Bean's on demand at WGR550.com. We got a lot of college prospects saying that they met with the Bills. Uh, Off the top of my head, uh, Jonah Williams, uh, Jawan Taylor, the two tackles that have probably been mocked to them the most. Taylor out of Florida. Um... Williams out of Alabama. Bryce Love, the running back out of uh, Stanford, says he met with the Bills. I kind of like that as a later round pick, maybe second or third. He's coming off a torn ACL. That's a little worrisome, but phenomenal, phenomenal producer at running back at Stanford. And if I can get him in later rounds, like that's what they should be doing. They should be looking for younger running backs past the first round. So he said he met with them. There's a bunch of others, too. Um, we'll have something up on our website soon that you can check that list out as well. 8030550 is the phone number. I want to get into the Sabres next. I got a quick point about the Montour trade, and then we'll hear from Paul Hamilton, who gave an update to sell in Bulldog earlier today. So we'll run that back as well. Paul with an update on what happened to practice in uh, the past few games. It's the nightcap. Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell going for an extra hour here on WGR. Let's get a Sabre update now. It's the nightcap, by the way. We went an hour early here on WGR. Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell hanging out in studio. We're going all the way up to 9 o'clock. Paul Hamilton was on with the guys earlier with Sal and Bulldog, giving an update on Sabre practice and uh, where they're just at in the season. Uh, we'll talk more Sabres after as well. Uh, 803-0550 if you want to get on that. Here's Paul with the guys from earlier. Paul Hamilton also now on the West Her Hotline uh, with us. Good afternoon, Paul. How are you today? I'm well, guys. How are you? Doing just great. Are we sure that was you or was that Vincent Price in the open? Because it sounded like... I thought it was ACDC, but then I (laughs) found out it wasn't. Oh, the Bells? The Bells? Yeah. Yeah, that's not the beginning of Hell's Bells. I I thought it was at first, too. I did, too. Yeah. Do we know what it is? No, we don't mm. care. Just Either. a bell sound effect. But that is Paul. You did that, sound that is, like Vincent Price you, laughing. That though. is you laughing. Yeah, we. I don't know. That could have been enhanced in some way digitally by us. <laughs> no, nobody there would do something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, Paul, uh, we'll, we'll get to um, uh, our subject for the day today. Sort of reminiscing here with Danny Gare being roasted tonight later on at the Grapevine Banquets. But um, practice was uh, in swing today, and there's, uh, I guess, some some news on the injury front. Yeah, Carter Hutton, nobody saw it happen, but he left the ice. I don't know if anything actually happened, but uh, Phil Housley said he tweaked a lower body injury. I don't know if we would have been able to tell just by watching, and he left. Ryan Vins quickly put the equipment on and finished practice. Uh, He said he'll be evaluated more today and tomorrow morning. So he's not there. So Bodke got hit in the head against the Flyers. Uh, Jack Eichel took his last shift of the second period, and then he did not return in the third. Which actually gave Eichel a chance to double shift a little bit uh, mm-hmm. as they were trying to come back against the Flyers. Uh, so he is day-to-day. Don't Housley wouldn't say if he would play Scandella, he mispracticed with a lower body injury. I did see him as we were waiting to get into the room. He went to the x-ray room in Philadelphia, so he had x-rays taken there. 
Both are day-to-day, and neither are ruled out for Friday. Was Scandella, when he was out for whatever it was, 12 days or so, was that a lower body injury? Do we know? Yes, but Housley did say it's not the same. Okay. It's something different. All right. Yeah, I, the only thing I know about Hutton, and, and I didn't catch this, but but someone tweeted at me about it, is that Brian Boucher, I think, on the NBCSN broadcast, mentioned that he looked, and Boucher, of course, was former NHL goalie himself, so like Hutton looked... In I don't know, distress is too strong, but he, he looked he looked funny or awkward on one save, and, and Boucher, I think, thought maybe something was a little off with him. So maybe there was a, a moment in the game where he tweaked something and then was still able to get through the game and then aggravated it at practice today. So Yeah, it's possible. I, I, could, I was too busy getting ripped by Rob Ray on our air, so I, I couldn't ah. listen to the uh, <laughs> NBC Sports broadcast. Par so. for the course, Paul. Par yeah, since <laughs> it was radio only, I, I was doing a, a few little things with him. Uh, Kind of like as a sideline right. reporter when Sabotka wasn't there, and then he, he got into my birthday, and he's talking about if I don't start looking better and taking care of myself, there won't be many more. So. Wow. Nice. <laughs> he's, he's one to talk at this point, Rob. You know, he's he's, he's a little bulky these days. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline with us. Sabres were back on the ice practicing today. They'll host the Penguins tomorrow down at KeyBank Center, the Penguins whom they trail by now eight points in the wild card playoff chase. Carolina's moved into third place in the Metropolitan. Pittsburgh is the wild card, and Columbus is on the outside with Montreal holding down the other wild card spot uh, currently. We haven't had a chance to talk since Tuesday's game, Paul, in Philly, uh, but the thing that stood out most to me from the game was afterward, I don't know, Eichel has had his moments. I, I thought he really sounded... I don't know, burned, uh, if that's the right word. Um, but he, he seemed really upset um, when you talked to him in the locker room after Tuesday's game. Is that he correct? Yeah. yeah, he takes losing hard. And I like to see players take losing hard. They, they should. And he may take it a little harder than some other guys do in there. And, <clears throat> you know, he's just kind of wondering how, are, as a team, we aren't ready to play. And there are some people out there who think that's a coach's responsibility at the NHL level to uh, motivate <laughs> players. I do not share that view. I, I think if you can't motivate yourself, and many players have told me this over the years, if you're not capable of motivating yourself without a coach motivating you and you're on the, in the NHL, you don't belong in the NHL. And I believe that too. And, <clears throat> you know, you got Philadelphia right on you. So you lose the game, Philadelphia is going by you. What more do you need as, as motivation? And then you show up with that effort to start the game, and you have to chase the game the rest of the game. It takes you a full period to get yourself going. I, I understand it's back-to-back, and you had customs and all the rest of it, but uh, other teams have to do that too. <laughs> right, right. That, what, 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 I, what I thought was, was interesting was that I don't know who, who asked the question. I, just, I know that it wasn't you. Uh, I guess I would say it just wasn't anyone's um, uh, voice that I recognized. But somebody, after he said we weren't ready to start, went down the avenue of, well, you got a young team. There's a lot of young guys on the team. And Jack wasn't having any of that. And, and, I, and I thought he maybe – was upset with the line that started the game because the w- the way he sounded eventually when responding to that was you know we're a team we're a unit I think a lot of the young guys played really well tonight 
we weren't ready to start the game. You know, we took a penalty. And I, I felt the number of times he said we weren't ready to start the game was a reflection on what he thought maybe of that first shift. Absolutely. And the passing was horrendous. I mean, the only one who could pass the puck was Montour. I mean, he came out and his first pass was right on the tape. And the passing was hitting skates. And every time it went to the Flyers. I mean, it, they didn't recover and get the puck. You're, you have passengers just standing there watching goals be scored who could have done something about it and didn't because they're just standing there watching. I mean, soft coverages and horrendous passing and, you know, no sense of urgency that, you know what, this is we got to win this game, and there are a lot of games we have to win. And it's just like, okay, now it's 2 nothing, and we gave up 19 shots in the first period. I guess we can play now. Well, that's not the way things work. And, uh, again, I, I just watch the game. I just think, give me give me a team of good players who are smart. You can take the fantastic players who aren't, and I probably will beat you most nights. And I, I just watch the same things happen over and over again. And then you get a couple of good games to tease you against some good teams. And then you go, well, you know, maybe they're getting it. Nah. No, not really. So how do you how do you figure out where this lack of smarts, IQ, uh, good decision making, however you want to put it, Paul? How do you identify where that comes from? Because it's not like all these guys grew up together and played together. I mean, they're here now. They come from different backgrounds. I mean, there is one common denominator, and that is the coaching staff, obviously. But it seems like they have trouble in that area as a group, and have had trouble under three different coaching staffs. In some cases, you know, what did we sit here and talk about with uh, Dan Bilesma? I, I, I can't begin to tell you how many times I said to Bulldog, you and everybody else, well, they're not doing what they're being taught to do. The coaching staff in practice is telling them to do one thing and they do it in practice and they go out in the game and do something totally different. And what are we saying about Phil Housley? Well, they're, they're looking good in practice and they're following in practice, but then they go out in the game and they do something totally different. What did I talk about with Ted Nolan? Well, Ted Nolan wants them to do this, and this is how they do in practice, and they go out in the game and they do something totally different. So are we going to th- blame three sets of coaches? We could if we want to, and we can change coaches every two years and just keep the same core group together, and we'll just change coaches every two years, I guess. I don't I, – I, I don't I, – it is a challenge, Paul, uh, certainly, and – Canning coaches regularly is not a good practice. I, I totally respect that. But here, here's my struggle lately. Um, I respect Bottrell talking about the communication that's going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, it's not something that I have access to. So I, I'm, not, I'm not here to say I'm skeptical about that. I believe it, that the, the guys are respecting what they're being taught and the person t- instructing them, whether it's Housley himself or an assistant coach. But – what, what, how far does that get me? It really isn't worth much if they're not taking the instruction and implementing it. You know, like there's if there's some disconnect, then I, I've got to do something. Mm-hmm. So what is it? You know, what do I do? The old adage is it's a lot easier to change the one guy rather than change out six players. And I, like I don't know if that's still where we are here. But we've done that three times, and I and I'm not taking Housley off the hook here. I mean, I've said all along. And I said in preseason, I said during the summer, this team should be playing meaningful games in March. They had a 10-game winning streak. They were number one in the NHL on November 29th. 
they are probably not going to be playing unless they go on another ten game winning streak and start it fair, like tomorrow. <laughs> they are probably not going to be playing meaningful games in March, and I think people need to answer for that. And and um, that I think that's unacceptable. Whether you know, and he has to take a good hard look at that. Whether he has to start moving some guys that he thinks or they thought were number one defensemen or number one forwards or number one goalies or number one whatever, or if they need to change coaches because, you know, the coach failed them and couldn't get them through in a situation where they pretty much had to play 500 hockey the rest of the year right. and get in the playoffs, and they couldn't, they couldn't hold that down. But serious questions need to be asked if they're not going to be playing meaningful games in March, and right now it's not looking like they're going to be. There is Paul Hamilton. We will continue with that conversation after this, continue an update on the Sabres with Sal and Bulldog. That's after this on an early edition of the Nightcap here in WGR. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi, Kyle Powell. About 15 minutes from our normal time slot. We have to go get to go an hour early here. It's Bulldog and Sal to get down to the WGR Celebrity Roast of Danny Gare. If you were listening to their conversation with Paul Hamilton last segment and you wanted more, here's the rest. Here's Paul with the guys from earlier today. All right, so I'm going to give you an opinion on this, and then I'll ask you a question. So here, here's my opinion. I, I, I do believe in, we have a lot of debates in this station about a lot of these types of you know tertiary things and what do you want to call it, culture, whatever. That's not what this is, but I do believe that there is something to, it's a chicken and egg of you have to learn how to win or be in a position to understand and maybe have a standard set. There's a standard set, I think, with certain organizations and sports that certain things and certain level of competition and getting to a certain point are acceptable and some are unacceptable. They have not gotten to that standard because they haven't been there. So I ask you then, and that's my opinion on that, Paul. I think that is part of this here. My question to you is, is this is this team resigned to their fate? It seems to me like... Since they started playing poorly, maybe around mid-January, you get into February, and they're where they are, and they see teams catching up, are they resigned to their fate? Because, hey, this is we don't have a standard where we got to make the playoffs here in Buffalo. Because I do believe that that's, those are growing pains that do matter in sports. But I would say this. I mean, were they resigned to their fate in December? Because that's the last time they won two games in a row. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't think they would have thought that back you know when they when they when this all started and i don't i don't think they they don't need to be this bad there's enough talent on this team that they don't need to be this bad and it looked like they were starting to set a standard even though in a 10 game winning streak seven of them were overtime and they were one goal games and they were getting breaks they still accomplished it and they did it it's not an easy thing to do and they won some teams over. I'll never forget in Tampa Bay, the, the game that broke the streak. In the Tampa locker room, those guys were not lip-servicing the Buffalo Sabres. They're like, wow, this is a good team. We better be ready to play this team because they've already beaten us once this year. They've won 10 games in a row. There are some good guys over there, and they've really done a good job over there. And that's the best team in the league right now sitting there going, we better be ready for this group. So, uh you know, it, it started then, and I I keep pointing back to that Flyer game. I yeah, I believe it was their fourth loss in a row. It was after the yep. winning streak, yep. and they they already had pasted the Flyers once, and they came in they came into the game and and started pasting them again, and it was almost like oh, this is easy, and it's like whoa, whoa, 
wait a minute. And, and they were facing a team that was basically playing like they were trying to get their coach fired and gave up six straight goals to him and lost 6-2 to two, and then watched that team leave and go lose in Winnipeg 7-1 to one and lose so badly in the next bunch of games that they did get their coach fired. And I, 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 I look at that game as the one that how do you let that one get away? And it, they, I don't know if they've ever recovered from it. They haven't won two games in a row, that's for sure. And, and or they did once. Right, they right actually after won that. their next two. Right, they won right. their next two, yep. and that's the last time they did. And um, it, it's it's again. I, I think uh, they can't be let off the hook, and serious questions need to be asked. All right, just to wrap up on the the news part of the day with you, Paul, and then we'll get to uh, the other subject matter I wanted to touch on with you. Uh, I guess we'll watch, keep an eye out for whether or not they need to call a goalie up. That'll be an indicator of what kind of shape Hutton's in. I would imagine, right? Yeah, they would uh, have to do that if if they feel, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to make it. And I would think you would want him there for the morning skate unless uh, you're pretty confident that Hutton at least can be able to back up. I remember, you know, a week or so ago, Allmark was going to start and he got a very minor injury, but they felt he'd be better off if he just backed up and not tried to start. So they flipped it and he, he did serve as the backup and never missed any time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. All right, good. Well, Danny Gare is being roasted tonight, Paul. And for me, a guy, I, and, and you're, I think you're the oldest person who's ever worked here. So you're older than me. Huh. Um, Man. So your dreams. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 10, I'm 10 years old in 1975 and Danny's goal um, uh, against Montreal in the semifinals. I don't really remember the first round series against uh, Chicago. I think they played before they played Montreal. Uh, but like that game one overtime goal by Danny is like a flashpoint of I, I love hockey now. Like I just I fell in love with hockey, and I feel like that's where it started. So Danny's always been very special to me uh, because of that. And so I'm sort of looking to like hear people's stories today. And Sal and I will be exchanging ours with the audience, and hopefully the audience with us. <laughs> how, how about you? Do you have Bill Sabers or any other um, you know moment where you knew like Wow, I'm really into this, and there was really no looking back. I think it was with my dad with the Bills. You know, I just became a Bills fan right off the bat, and I, I couldn't get enough of it. And, you know, you couldn't watch the home games because of blackout rules. And, uh, but, you know, you couldn't watch enough of it. And then you'd, I'd watch other games hoping that there'd be Bills highlights on it, and I could see one Bills highlight and be all <laughs> excited, you know, to, right. to, to see that highlight. And in Danny Garris' case, I'll tell you, I pounded the table for years wondering why his number wasn't in the rafters. And I'm – a very, very stingy number in the rafter type person. I walk into some buildings and shake my head and go, what is that number doing up there? Uh, even here in Buffalo, um, I would honor Tim Horton in the arena. I would not have retired his number, and I would not have retired uh, Pat LaFontaine's number for the simple reason he was probably injured for over half the games he played in Buffalo, and there wasn't a lot of longevity. He certainly was a great hockey player. But Danny Gares, I just wondered, why is that number not up there? And it finally went up. And I say the same thing now with Mike Ramsey, who in my mind, without question, was the best defenseman in Sabre history. And why is his number not up there? But Danny Gare was the one that I thought just was a glaring, what, what is going on here? Why is that, that not up there? And finally it is. Right. Are you going to have an opportunity to get out to the roast tonight or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, I good. Will be there. All right, good. 
All right, yeah. So Bills with your with your dad, and that would have been that's. I mean, you predate me by enough. I mean, I'm you know all kidding aside. Like, so you're you're going to the rock pile as a kid at all or no? I don't remember the rock pile, but you know I I can remember O.J. Simpson. Yeah. You know and. And hit the career he had, and and knowing that O.J. Simpson, in my mind, now I did not see Cookie Gilchrist, but outside of Cookie Gilchrist, be, only because I did not see him is the you know the best Bill that I ever saw. Uh, it just you you couldn't stop. It was crazy. I mean, Joe Ferguson would throw the ball ten times a game because, <laughs> and the other team knew O.J.'s coming. It's like they're they have planned their game plan around it, and next thing you know, it's two hundred seventy five yards later. And and I just never saw anything like it. All right, Paul, thanks a lot for this. We'll uh, catch up with you tonight at the Danny Gare Roast. Okay. There is Paul Hamilton with Bulldog and Sale. We'll take a timeout here, and I want to get into some baseball talk next. That's right. I just said I want to get into some baseball talk next. Bryce Harper signed today for 3,000 years at a gazillion million dollars. So is that fair? Are those numbers accurate? Actually, Kyle's nodding, so. I think yeah. you hit it right on the head. All right. So we'll talk about the Bryce Harper uh, thing. Kyle's an interesting spot here. He likes Philly teams, but he likes the Nationals. Where Harper is going. Well, he's going from the Nationals to the Phillies. So I want his take on that after this. And we'll get into some draft stuff later on as well. So the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell going all the way up to 9 o'clock here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.